Hello and welcome to this Studio at Home Roundtable. We're going to be talking about innovation at the speed of now. We're doing so in partnership with Cisco. Eileen, let's start with you. We're going to talk about the pace of innovation because of the constraints brought about by uh, attempts to mitigate the spread of COVID. It is assumed that innovation has never been faster than it was in 2020 into 2021. Perhaps that's true, perhaps it's not. But if it is true, can it be sustained? Will that pace of innovation be sustained? We probably need to start with asking ourselves, what does innovation even mean? I think in the technology industry today and the digital industry, people are conflating innovation with um, making changes so that they can adapt to remote working versus innovation, which is disrupting the market and maybe introducing and inventing new things. So, you know, I'd like to put that question back out to the group to say my perception of innovation is about disruption and it's not about transformation. It's not about um, digital transformations and optimizations and things like that. But I do think that people are confusing innovation with that topic. 100%. Yeah, 100%. It's transformation. So so getting people to work remotely from or, yeah, work remotely from home or from wherever they are. That's a transformational aspect, and it's something that most people in technology have been pushing for for years, um, and now it's finally here. So what it's done is sped up that transformation of the remote working, and, and I'm a great proponent of that work is what you do, not where you are thing. So you don't have to be in the office. You can be wherever you like and be effective. So we've transformed that at the speed of light, and that's happened really, really quickly. Lots of businesses that just were not set up to do that have now enabled it great but that isn't what innovation is all about so it's impressive but it's not innovation no not at all because nothing's you know none of the technology we're using is new it was all there 12 months ago before covid started yeah before lockdown started so it's not new have we seen groundbreaking innovation i guess is maybe the way to look at it as as both james and eileen have talked about it or, or did businesses simply businesses teachers the elderly uh, office workers did simply embrace technology that was already out there, and um, and I think there is definitely a case for for saying that that has been the case. But there's probably been both, right? I mean, I think we've seen there seems to be a pattern um, and and sort of a moment in time where actually technology that had already been developed has now accelerated some innovation. So I mean, you just only got to look at things like mRNA in, in vaccine development, you know, that, that's that been around for a long time, but that's actually helped accelerate something that we genuinely needed. You know, Eileen said it, you know, with companies and organizations that were probably on this journey already, um, pretty much had to accelerate that change. And as James said, you know, many of us were on that journey before. I mean, for us as a company, you know, taking 75,000 people to work remotely, that was overnight done. We were already doing that. We've been doing it for years. Uh, so that that for us wasn't the change because th- that was completely new. That the work was very much about somewhere where you went, uh, and that you did um, in a specific location. You know, if I look at our own sort of WebEx collaboration platform, you know, which saw huge growth throughout the the pandemic. You know, just since last September, we've launched four hundred new capabilities, um, which didn't exist before. You know, things like you know gesture control, you know background noise removal, so you don't hear the dogs barking or the builders working anymore, and you know just all those kind of innovations that didn't what didn't need to be there before. Um, you know, our engineering teams. Um, 
you know, built those in and, and brought them out to market. So, so it, it's been an interesting time, I think. Uh, um, and you know, we were we were talking earlier where Eileen said actually there's probably a lot of pent up innovation happening that we haven't seen yet. Thanks for reminding me. So, with all the people who are now working remotely and have instant access to digital technology and potentially more free time on their hands. I think that might be where the disruption comes from. I can tell you that members of my team who aren't developers are saying to me, I want to learn how to code and I'm going to go and teach myself Python. And, I, and, and I'm seeing that more and more. And I do think that those might be the disruptors of the future. And it's just around the corner, which is really exciting because that's what we want. We want people to embrace this opportunity to learn the skills that is going to disrupt the industry and make things better for society in the future. Do you think that innovation, that those little uh, elements of people being incredibly creative and doing things and learning new things, does that come back and that to the benefit of the Wellcome Trust? Or might that be something that happens completely somewhere different? I think it could be triggered by something that's happening at Wellcome. And, you know, we have academics that work at Wellcome and, and there could be something that they're exposed to that triggers an idea. They go and teach themselves to code because actually they think that that might be a way to solve it through a digital product. One of the things that we actually have at Wellcome is an innovation model that enables every single person in the organisation to get their idea into the system. And if it's a good enough idea, the technology team take it forward into production and this and bring this thing to life. There are so many great ideas out there. It's not just technology people that have the ideas, but the technology people have the skills to bring them to life. So how do we tap into everyone else's idea and help them bring it to life? So welcome we put this model in place. But actually, I think the pandemic has brought that to everybody in society should they want to learn the skills for themselves and bring their idea to life. Very, very good. James, so if it's not necessarily innovation that has been happening, there's certainly been some change. I just wonder how that change has manifested itself in your industry, in the insurance industry. What have you observed? I think it's forced um, a different way of working from team perspectives. So, you know, the insurance uh, industry being quite a laggard in terms of adopting technology and, uh, and different ways of working. So it's forced people to think differently about utilization of um, collaboration platforms, whether it's Teams or the Google platform or anything else. There's, there's definitely some of that gone on. Um, and, and certainly within both Arch, where I'm consulting, and um, uh, Inigo, the sort of the proliferation of teams has grown like topsy. So they've, they've you know, gone out of all proportion to what they were 12 months ago. Um, and that's a big thing, that's for sure. So there's a lot more sort of digital sharing of documentation, of um, team collaboration from that perspective. Um, whether how, how much that will carry on when people come back into the office is unclear. I hope they will. Um, certainly uh, Inigo, which is a, a brand new insurance startup, we're thinking very differently about the way we want to do underwriting um, and using technology uh, to disrupt that marketplace because very much it's it's what's in people's heads actually to be honest with you in terms of underwriting risk yes there are lots of uh, you know, modeling tools that they use but actually a lot of it is about gut feel um, and what we're trying to do is take some of that out of the picture uh, and bring in a new breed of underwriters from you know straight from university potentially and groom them with the skills and the experience they need to do this in a much more technology-led way 
And, and James, has, has that, uh, that, that desire to shake up the underwriting part of your business, has that, is there a direct connection between that and what's happened in the last uh, year or is that just coincidental? Um, I think it's coincidental, actually. I think, I think where, the, where the desire to disrupt the market comes from is the fact that um, if you take a look at the Lloyds of London market, the, the underwriters are out there are really the, you know, they are the masters of the universe. And they always have been. And I think our view is we can change that model. Uh, we don't need to have this same group of people who are walking around the same firms, being there for every, you know, I don't know, three, four, five years, and then moving on once they get their payouts. Actually, we can do it differently and better potentially as well. So that's why it's, a, it's an interesting concept from, from their perspective. Um, our use of technology is going to be really interesting from an insure tech perspective. So, you know, what what are the new innovative type technologies that we can leverage, uh, and how can we implement them in the business? The trick, though, is a lot of that new technology is it's not as well thought through. It's maybe not as secure as you'd like. All of those motherhood and apple pie things that need to wrap around it don't quite exist. So it's it's how much risk do I want to take as a CTO and, and acting as a CISO? to implement this stuff on the, you know, with the risk or the benefit of, of taking that on. That's a really interesting balancing act. And, and we're very new. We only started in November. So, um, so and I only came on board this week. So it's still, you know, it's still a, a very early balancing act, but we'll work it out. I guess a similar sort of question to you, Chintan. I'm interested in this, uh, if it's not innovation, some change. You've talked a little bit about how WebEx has changed to, uh, to cater for, you know, the things you're discovering about how people behave uh, in a virtual context. I wonder what other changes happen, maybe behind the scenes at Cisco. Um, some examples of change at Cisco. We have to be more inclusive with um, everything that we're doing, you know, and, and actually it, it, this change has actually brought a bit more of a level playing field in terms of where we access talent. Um, you know, the, the very fact that actually um, things can be done remotely and virtually. Um, yes, there's no substitute for the physical, which we we all know and we all crave. Um, but there, but there has been an opportunity to um, get new ideas on the table. And I think Eileen mentioned it. You know, we again as a tech company, we run innovation challenges all the time. But one of the things we've spearheaded this time around is um, something called bold bets, and and that's really about not what are the incremental innovation or what not what the uh, the stepless short step changes we can make on on the things we're doing for our customers to help them as they either manage their environments during the pandemic or even as they manage the kind of going back uh, to work as it were or, or to the office or a physical space of some sort uh, but really what are the big game changing things that will you know technology will help drive in the future and uh, you know James talked about insurance and you know how how um, you know we're now accepting video and and um, images as evidence and uh, but in the future maybe it's it will be drones that will go and do that uh, what's needed and for that you know highly secure networks are going to be absolutely critical you know anything that can be connected is being connected to the internet including us and and you know there's just a huge explosion of things on on the global internet now we are essentially all living on the internet whether you know from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep and everything in between and in amongst all of the goodwill that I think the world has shown in during the pandemic, you know, James's point around cybersecurity has probably become even more important, given everything is being done in such a distributed fashion and, and organizations weren't designed to operate in this way. Um, and, you know, we're just 
really having to laser focus on protecting our customers' environments because they reside everywhere now with the cloud. Um, you know, we're blocking 20 billion threats every day on our cloud platform for customers. Yeah, that's that's several trillion a year, and that's just us. Eileen, I'm interested in exploring something that I think is a theme that's run through the conversation so far, which is around a lot of the change that has happened, whether it's innovation or just changing to the uh, to, 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 to the different circumstances we face, is enforced change. So whether it's uh, behind the scenes, how we uh, act as uh, people that work for an organisation, or indeed how our customers or our clients act, we've been it's an enforced change a change that's been forced upon us. At what point does that change become entrenched? Do we just bounce back? Is it elastic and we bounce back to normal? Or does some of this stuff really stick? We could talk about enforced change. Um, is enforced change innovation, though? Um, and then that that then dictates how, how can we bounce back from that if something's forced upon us? So let's imagine a world where... You, it's the first time you ever discover an iPhone. And that was a change that was enforced upon us. But it was actually telling us the things that we wanted before we even knew ourselves. And so I think if we're doing enforced change and we want to be able to adopt it and bounce back from it, then we want to make it even better. Whatever we introduce, we want to make it better than it was before. Which leads me very nicely onto what we have done at Welcome because... The pandemic was enforcing change upon us to work in a very different way. And as people were trying to figure out, well, how are we actually going to work in this way? 90% of the organisations, 1,200 people, had never worked remotely before. So we took that window of opportunity, because in IT, we're all hands at this. We took that window of opportunity to try and put new things in place that actually made it better than working in the building. Uh, so, yes, the enforced change was upon us. Yes, it was difficult. It was a difficult period. But by making it even better for people, it's now they don't need to bounce back because actually what they've done is bounce forward into this future that we've tried to present to them. Eileen talked a lot about, uh, you know, this this in, uh, enforced change becoming entrenched change. What it, whatever way we look at change, whether we call it change, whether we call it innovation, things have happened at speed in the last year. That seems to be a given. And I wonder if uh, at the expense of speed, we miss out on some of the things that some of the virtues of slower innovation. We don't have the opportunity to sit back and and review the impact at times, uh, potentially of making change or or embedding things. I think there's a there's a huge movement over the last six months of worrying about people's mental health from working at home. So. Um, you know that that impact of suddenly being disconnected from your colleagues, from your friends, from your um, your locations that you've been going to for the last 10, 15, 20 years. You know what's the impact of that on people? Um, and sometimes that's a you know suddenly we hit the brakes, everybody's out of the office, and without any kind of forethought to what does that do to people. Um, and that's a good example of it, I think. I think you know the the, the thought the point about um, you know iPhones. We didn't know we needed them until they came along. The same is true of so much technology that's that's been developed in the last sort of five, ten years. You know, I don't know, didn't exist in two thousand and seven. Your know, iPads or you know um, WhatsApp, and Pinterest, and things like that. So, so sometimes the speed of change is good because it brings things that we do want, uh, um, are useful. But you know, the impact of those things. So I don't know. 
people being addicted to social media and stuff like that, we don't ever, well, we do more so in there, but sometimes we don't sit back and look at the impact of those things. So I think there is a, there is absolutely, um, uh, it's the right thing to do every now and again, just to sit back and say, okay, so those changes that we've just implemented in that environment, you know, do they stick? Are they right? Are there any unintended consequences? You know, what does that look and feel like for our employees uh, and friends as well? We've got cases in the in the with with vaccine development and RNA where that that's been going for a long, long time um, since the 1990s, and and actually that slow innovation has helped us now. But on the flip side, you know, the fast innovation of of coming up with the vaccine as a result of that and distributing it at scale is, is has been faster innovation. I mean, I can think in the future, you know, of, of the thousands or millions of people that have been needed to do um, testing. You know, if we have digital replicas that can do we can do digital testing on for vaccine can you imagine how quickly we could come out with the next set of vaccines so that could be speeded sped up um innovation as it were so i think there's there's always a case for both and uh, uh maybe just to cite for the the sci-fi fans here you know you take the mars perseverance you know eight years in the making right um in terms of that innovation but incredible innovation to get it there and now the next set will start so you'll always have a balance of the two for me, it's just uh, as is the theme of the um, round table. It's the speed that's been um, quite astonishing. And and the other thing that I think we've noticed as a business is the previous where previously where red tape would get in the way, um, that's been stripped back, and and where we would have had a very very process led approach to innovation. Um, we've still applied the key principles, but it's it's just happened at pace that I've never seen before. Um, and one of the things that I think I'm really keen to make sure that we do is to hold on to some of that. And, you know, even when we pull back to some kind of normality, whatever normal looks like, is not to go back to all of the way we did things before uh, and kind of actually pick the best bits of what we've been forced to do as an organisation, as in, as individuals as well. Two things. What are the things that you've been doing? And I guess what are the things that you'd like to hold on to? For me, in terms of as a business, um, we've been doing uh, innovation to try and cope with the vast increase in parcel traffic. Uh, not something I've been directly involved in, but again, just the acceleration of pace on that whole um, transformation project and automation. Um, but then at a more kind of local team level, it's been allowing people to have the tools to be able to work remotely. Um, and naturally, there are some of our work workforce that can't do that for obvious reasons, um, but there are vast amounts that can. And the way in which we've enabled that, and I think the other thing that's happened which really sticks out to me is just that leap of trust in our, in our teams that actually where before there might have been some reluctance or hesitance around that remote workforce, that has been cast aside and people have just basically just sped up that actually these people, given the flexibility and the tools that they need, genuinely can be productive. Um, they can be really effective. And we've even seen some examples of, of teamwork that um, I think has been incredible when you consider how disparate we've been as individuals in terms of location. And whereas previously we would have tried to pull people into um, one office block or one, one building traveling from across the country, we can actually even move at pace to organize uh, sessions that otherwise would have potentially taken weeks, if not months to organize because of people's schedules. So, you know, really, really fantastic movement. And that's, they're the sort of things that I'd like to maintain um, into the future as we kind of move forwards into some kind of normality. 
I've got a final question for all of you. But before I get to that, Eileen, I just wanted to go back to that subject we were just discussing around slow innovation versus fast innovation. Do you think we lose out on the slow because we concentrate too much on the fast? Yes and no. I echo what Paul was saying, actually. When, but pre the pandemic, innovation always happened, but it was done in a much more structured way. As a result of everybody exiting the building, the floodgates opened and actually we were, people were coming up with ideas left, right and centre. I'm still finding things out today that the team have done that I had no idea about. So I think that doing it in a structured way is good. You get the good governance, you get the controls, you can reflect to James's point and understand the unintended consequences of the change. But um, taking this opportunity over the last year has been invigorating and enlightening, but that is unsustainable. Just thinking about the last year, maybe one thing that you learnt about your business over the last year, um, and perhaps it may be the same thing or maybe something different, something you're most proud of. So something you learnt in the last year and something you're incredibly proud of. Eileen first. I learned how resilient they are and how how well lived our principles actually are about acting boldly, pulling together, making it count. Something that I'm proud of, which is not technology related at all, is actually our communications team. So yeah, you know, I'm very proud of the, the IT team and they absolutely pulled out the bag. They went from satisfying customers to delighting customers. Fantastic job. But our communications team in record time, pulled together and launched a campaign for um, um, for therapeutics for COVID. And they did that in a record time. And it was a campaign to raise funds. And I think within about three days, we had Madonna and Lady Gaga tweeting and pledging millions of pounds to the therapeutics analyzer campaign that we had launched or the sorry, therapeutics accelerator so i'm really proud of the comms team for pulling that off not dissimilar to eileen i think you know incredibly resilient teams i think um you know probably the the biggest thing i'm proud of is is how the teams just stepped up during the early part of the pandemic to just simply do what they needed i mean we had employees who weren't instructed but you know they they took parts of our offices they bought 3d printers from home and one of our offices in Reading, you know, they converted it into a 3D uh, 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 printing facility for face shields. And, uh, you know, and that then got replicated around the world from San Jose to Singapore. Uh, so that, that was incredibly powerful. And uh, just the work our teams did on all of the Nightingale projects. So, you know, we were involved in providing all of the infrastructure just to build that within, you know, a matter of days and weeks. Um, and people, you know, the, the analogy of people going towards danger as opposed to running away from it. So, you know, members of my team, I'm, I'm indebted to in terms of what they did. So, uh, yeah, very proud of that. The learning actually is, is how different people have reacted from, from working at home. Um, there are some people that actually, it, it looks on the face of it, they're absolutely fine and the, and the team sessions are all okay. Um, and actually when you get to a one-to-one session, actually they can be struggling a little bit. So, so I've, I've sort of learned to sort of try and spot that a little bit more. Um, historically, I may I may have completely ignored that in the office. I really would have, um, I, and I don't know what it is about the screen, but every now and again, you just pick up on different body language than you would necessarily in the office. So, um, so there's something about that. Um, I think the the proud bit, um, 
I, th- I think you're right about the, you know, people have just jumped in with both feet and said, right, okay, this is how it is. We can't change the situation, so we've got to work like this. We've got to find a way of being more collaborative. We've got to sort of get involved in the whole um, team collaboration sessions and whatever else. So I think just the fact that they've, yeah, okay, you know, can't do anything about it. We're just going to get in there and make it happen. I think that's just a fantastic way of working. And that's something I really hope we carry forward. Um, so, you know, that ability to sort of be a bit more fleet of thought. I think, Paul, you just said that about, um, you know, doing things differently. Yeah, as we move into the future than we've done previously in the past, that's got to be something we take with us, please. It's a build on, I think, what everybody has perhaps witnessed. It's it's how everybody has just put hands on deck and, you know, really, really just delivered some outstanding work. From an organisational perspective, it's the way in which the business leapt to put people first. So I think that's something that I'm really proud of um, as somebody who works for Royal Mail. And I think in terms of what I've learned, it's uh, building on James's point, actually. It's about the importance of well-being. Um, and I've used this phrase before and um, I'll, I'll, um, I'll use it again. But it's, um, you know, when we're in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. So things are going on around us. But our individual um, take on what that means for us as individuals is exactly that. It's individual. And I think as, as people who look after teams, that's a really important thing. So from a learning perspective, I've learned to step back a little bit. And, and as I think, as James said, pick up on nuances that you otherwise perhaps wouldn't have done before. That's great. Paul, thanks very much. James, uh, Chinton and Eileen, thank you all very much. And uh, thank you very much for watching. Mm-hmm.